Good morning. <laughs> sure, big Sunday. <laughs> Actually, at the beginning of the meeting, uh, well, just before we, we came in, I told Richard, you know, I'm quite intimidated by this morning's message, and not in, a, not in a bad way, not in a fearful way, but just by the weight it carries, just by the fact of, of who he is, of what he's done, of what he's accomplished. So this morning, I want to just share a message with you, with, with, with you with, which I believe has, has changed the lives of so many people. And what has changed the lives of so many people has not been eloquent words or, or fancy preachers or cool slogans or, or great sayings, but it's been the death and the obedience of one man, Jesus. And this morning, we celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty and that he is alive. And 2,000 years ago, the world looked at this moment and they said, what has happened? <laughs> Where all the odds were defied with the very future of those who would believe in the name of Jesus has been changed forever. And there are still those that after 2,000 years are still trying to disprove that it ever happened. The resurrection of Jesus. And I actually want to jump into uh, John 20 verse 1 to 10 from the get-go where it actually speaks about the resurrection. And, and John writes and he says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. And both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand that the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. And as we see just the scripture of, of what happened on this day so many years ago, that the stone was rolled away, that the tomb was found empty, that the sting of death forever defeated, and the lives of people drastically changed forever. The resurrection of Jesus has never been just a story, a fairy tale, a myth, a bedtime story. It has always been the most significant event 
And you can imagine why so many of the scientists and so many of the skeptics have tried to actually disprove why this ever happened. It's because the world can relate with death. You read the newspaper, you switch on the TV, it's there. We see it every day. And actually nowadays you just have to scroll through Facebook and Instagram to see it and maybe even go into the comment section. But it's there. But they do not know the God we serve. They do not know the God that is capable of raising a person from the dead. And what took place 2,000 years ago is the very reason why we preach. It's the very reason why we serve. It's the very reason why we know Him. And it's the very reason we die to sin and we have a hope for the future. Is these scientists, they do not know the God we serve. And I actually want to go to a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians where Paul the Apostle speaks and he, and he writes and, he's, and one could argue, argue that his life is probably one of the most significant lives ever touched by the resurrection of Jesus. And he goes and, and he actually makes quite a few statements in, this, in these few verses where he throws out a few things and, and you could imagine that it, it probably ruffled the feathers of a few people that read this. And if we start, and I'll actually just quickly, yeah, we can start with 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14 to 15. And he writes and he says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I want to go through some of these verses and actually just look at them bit by bit and actually look at what the significance of the resurrection holds, not just for us, but my heart really is that we would see who Jesus is, that we would see the God we serve. And the first verses is 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we're even found to be misrepresenting God. As Paul goes and he writes here and he says, basically, without the resurrection, our preaching is problematic. And he, in these few verses, actually went and who, who knew the future? He actually went and he said, let them read this and then believe. Without the resurrection, our preaching is problematic. And Paul uses the words 
in vain. And Mornay, having an Afrikaans brain, I actually had to go and Google what the words in vain mean. I just had to go and look up the meaning. And I, was, I really, I, I still do it. And, he, and basically what the words in vain came to, it, it, it meant useless. And I thought of an example of, of preaching being useless. And you can imagine that those in our midst that feel the call to preaching say that, how can you ever say preaching is useless? Not my preaching, surely. But Paul is saying here that without the resurrection, the very things we preach does not carry weight. And the example I thought of is, I don't know who of you have ever experienced where you, you're in this deep dream. And in this dream, it builds up. There's this moment, there's like this crescendo, everything builds up. And then all of a sudden, you just want to let out this shout or, or the scream. I don't know if you've, as someone maybe experienced that. Where it's like, it builds, it builds, it builds. And then all of a sudden, it's like, and you can actually feel in the dream that there's no sound coming out. And for me, the scripture is that. Is where Paul says that without the resurrection, there's no sound to our preaching. And for me personally, probably one of the greatest preachers of his time was Billy Graham. I love his sermons. Love his life. Cried a lot when I um, saw his biography. And statistics actually say that Billy Graham preached the gospel to about 215 million people in over 185 countries. That is a lot of preachers. It's, it's an extreme amount of sermons to pray for. <laughs> and actually they say that the largest crowd ever recorded in the history of his ministry was at the Yuidu Plaza in Seoul, South Korea in 1973. And it was estimated to be 1.1 million people that he preached on that day. And when you look at the life of Billy Graham, about what he preached how he preached, the way that he lived, you can see that it was a man that was changed by the resurrection of Jesus. A man that knew that Jesus was alive and that he is still alive. It was never about his skill, about his ability, but it was about the message of the resurrection, about the good news. And Paul comes here and he says, that all these sermons preached, all these sermons prepped, all these countless hours, all the theology studied, all the finances put in to a degree, all the degrees strung behind a name. If the resurrection never happened, then this would all have been in vain. And Paul is saying here, let them read this. It did happen. He is alive. The tomb is empty. Without the resurrection, our preaching would be problematic. I want to go on to the second, the second verse, and it goes in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. 
For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And what he's saying here is basically that without the resurrection, our sins are cemented. And again, the word futile being used here in this sense means that it's something that doesn't produce results. If it's used in that sense, it's, that it's like a shot not hitting a target or, or a trip without a destination. It's like a question without an answer. And basically, we, we actually experienced something similar, it was, and it happened last night. So, for my wife's birthday, I got her a puppy. Yes, great husband. Um, <laughs> thank you, Liffy. And she's adorable, and we've been loving her. She's very vocal. She hates being left alone. And last night, while I'm busy trying to finish up my sermon, just trying to get my head ready for this morning, I hear a knock on the door downstairs. And I thought, okay, that's strange. Like, because it was quite late. I think it was close to 9 o'clock. And I walk down, and I open the door, and here's this gentleman standing with sunglasses on his head, 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> and he says, sorry, man, sorry to bother you. And I thought, oh, he's probably going to say that, mildly complain too much or that she's too vocal or that she's making a noise and he actually goes and he says sorry to ask you this question but are you single and I was standing with my ring on my finger and I thought to myself no sir I've been happily married for a year and two months now thank you and it's almost this thing where he came because he came on behalf of a friend where he asked hey are you single and it's basically this, where it's a question. <laughs> Rebecca's m mother this morning said that I need to wear my wedding ring at all times. <laughs> so maybe we can get a tattoo. <laughs> but it's this example of this guy coming and saying, hey, he's asking a question. And then my answer was, sorry. <laughs> and Paul is saying here that the resurrection had to happen. For our sins to be forgiven. For us to come into right standing with God. And the fact that the tomb today is empty is a result that the costly sacrifice of Jesus had been accepted by God. It meant that his death was sufficient enough. And that we as Christians can believe and know in faith that our sins are forever forgiven. And I love what Matthew Henry said in one of his commentaries. Where he said that, had Jesus not conquered the power of death, how could he have given, how could he have delivered us from that power? Without the resurrection ever taking place, without Jesus rising from the dead, our sins would be cemented. And then thirdly, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 18 to 19, Paul goes on and he writes, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we're all, we are of all people most to be pitied. I just want to read that last part again. 
if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And here Paul says that without the resurrection ever taking place, our death would be our doom. And he's speaking about this eternal hope that we have in Jesus. The hope of eternity spent with him in the presence of the living God. And that it's grounded in his resurrection. And we in a sense see this contrast in the world and we see it in scripture. We see this contrast that a life without Jesus leads to death. But a death with Jesus, in Jesus, leads to life and life abundantly. And no wonder people look at Christians today and they think these people are just a bunch of jolly jumping, happy clappy, too blessed to be stressed, nannies. <laughs> they don't fear death. But why would we? Why would we be afraid of what is to come? If it means that we're not separated. If it means that we could spend eternity in the presence of the living God. Why would we cling on to what has no weight, what has no meaning? It was never his heart. And I actually believe that this is an encouragement to us. These few verses from Paul where he's saying, hey, our hope is not just in this life, not in these short few years, but it's for something much more. The future is coming. And without the resurrection, our death would be our doom. And as I come to a close, and for me, Easter Sunday marks a day that shook the foundations of the very world. It marks a day where all the odds were defied. It marks a day where the future of those who believed in God would be changed forever through that one man, Jesus and I read a sermon of a guy called Ray Pritchard. Brilliant sermon. And where he made these statements where he said that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we would have no message to preach. We would have no good news to share. We would have to bring the missionaries home. We would have to close every church and sell the properties. And we would not be saved. And my heart this morning and I, is that all that you would have heard this morning is that Jesus is alive, that is risen, that there is so much more to look forward to than just this life, than suffering here. If all we take away from this is that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, that death is forever defeated. Mission accomplished. 
And at this very moment, as we sit here, he's seated at the right hand of God. Without blemish. The perfect lamb who was slain. Who conquered death. And he sits there. Not as one who died. But as one who's very alive now. He sits there as the king of kings. And the lord of lords. And he says for each person coming to me. They will experience that eternity. They will taste not death, but life. And our question should never be, can we prove the resurrection? But our question should be, so what does the resurrection actually prove? It proves that he's alive. That death has no sting. Amen.